Songezo Mapepe on SAFM. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Namsham Niki, and I am, as of now, taking over from your usual host, Ndadesongezo Uchadebe, and I am going to be hosting for the next few minutes. It's been, it's such an exciting thing for me. I have never hosted before. But you know, we were just finishing off talking about the value of women in leadership. And one of the things I wanted to talk about today is how do we get our societies, our companies, our governments to begin to understand the value of women in leadership. The surprising news is that companies and countries that were lead, that were being led by women in 2020 when COVID-19 struck us have actually done well. So if you think about countries like Germany, Taiwan, etc., it is said in research that actually those countries have been doing so much better, both in terms of their economies, but also in terms of their health. And it turns out that over and above just having women, just because it's nice to have them, they are nice representatives, there is actual value in having women as leaders. And one of the values of that women bring is resilience in times of crisis and uncertainty. And so research shows us that women are actually much better at handling risk and handling difficult situations because the way in which they lead actually lends itself to supporting people in times of difficulty. So I thought I'm going to break down this topic um, and have a conversation with two amazing guests. The first guest that I have on the program is um, the gorgeous and super powerful Lillian Karuri Magero, who is the chief of staff for the APSA group. Now, basically, she heads the office of the chief executive, amongst many, many other things she does. And what I'm going to talk to her about is her own leadership journey and what experience she's, she's had about what she has had to do as a woman in order to lead and to lead well such a massive um, organization, as it were. Lillian is also a fellow at, at, for International Women's Forum. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the work she does there. In fact, together between the presidency and IWFSA, one of the things that we recently launched was the Gender-Based Violence Fund. And so if we do have time, I hope that we're going to be able to talk about that a little bit. But here's a surprise. I am actually going to be asking your usual host, Ndadesongezo Mabeze, to also be part of our guests. And so he's no longer your host, but he's also he's going to be a panelist in my show. And I want to engage with him as a man because I want to have a bit of a conversation about what um, what considerations um, do male leaders particularly need to have um, as women, as more women are leading um, in the workplace, as more women are leading in government? And so we're going to have a really, really exciting conversation. But first, let me say hi to Lillian, who is holding on, on the line. Lillian, thank you so much for joining and making the time to join us. I know how busy you are. How are you doing this evening? Good evening, Namkwa, and thank you, SAFM, and to your your listeners. And I really am so excited and privileged to be hosted by you this evening. Thank you for having me. Now, listen, so your role is a massive one within APSA. I mean, not only are you chief of staff, but you are head of office for the CEO. What does that role entail exactly? Well, it is a it is a big role. I, I will absolutely acknowledge that. Um, 
you know, I have a grandmother who's 110 years old, and she's still alive and with us. And over the last yeah. minute, few years, I've tried to explain to her what do I do, and after a while, she's like, "What? What? Are you a, a bank teller? What? What do you do exactly?" <laughs> And bank part of teller. the reason the confusion around that is because there's no one sort of clean sentence that can offer what it is that I do on a daily basis because it, it really is a, a jill of all trades. But what yeah. I often tell myself, not even having to explain to anybody else, what I tell myself is my job on a daily basis is to protect my CEO, is to promote my CEO, and to prepare my CEO. I work very closely with him and with, uh, with the team as well to make sure that we are maintaining the efficacy of his office, keeping him efficient, following through on what his vision is for the organization, and making sure that we are constantly promoting the ethos that he wants for the group. Now, no doubt one of the roles you play is as a problem solver, troubleshooter, person who deals with crisis. And I know companies in South Africa right now have been grappling with the consequences of COVID-19. Do of those things you are able to share with us, and so I know you won't be able to share everything. Um, can you share just a little bit um, about how APSA has adapted to COVID-19, but more specifically, what role you've had to play in supporting your team to actually adapt to the current conditions of COVID-19? So let me first of all say I, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to limit comments around what the organization is doing only because we have those people who speak on behalf of the organization and I'm participating in my personal capacity. However, right. what I can say is, as, an, as a, in the context of what I do, um, I have been an integral part of, of um, our leadership team in making sure that we were protecting our colleagues. We have 38,000 people who work in our banks. Um, we are across 12 countries around the world, and our immediate focus when the, this crisis broke was to make sure we're keeping our people safe, we're keeping our cl clients and customers safe, and that we're supporting the communities in which we do business. ABSA has been at the forefront of numerous um, endeavors across our geographies to be part of problem solving, supporting the government and supporting communities to get through this crisis and, and hopefully get us back to the world as we knew it before. Um, in right. terms of what my role is, you know, as you said, you know, uh, in your preamble there, and I'm kind of absolutely spot on, you know, I can say for women in general, and I'm going to add myself in there because I'm a woman and I think it's an inherent strength that we bring into into the way we exist, whether it's in communities, in our home, and in our jobs, is that we are yeah. we're good problem solvers. So I, I say often my love language is service, and therefore I'm almost naturally predisposed to the role that I play because I'm right. able to bring structure into chaos. I'm able to bring um, rationale into, into a problem and try and prioritize what we need, what's important versus what is urgent and pull together the right people to address what is urgent and get that done. Um, when, right. when things go wrong, I, get, I actually find myself in my place of peace where I'm actually able to create reasonableness out of what it is that I'm facing. So that's fascinating that you mentioned that, that in the middle of crisis, you often find that you are in a place of peace. Because, in fact, this research that I was looking at, and I looked at a number of sources, one of the things they were saying about female leaders was this ability to not act in haste in the middle of a crisis and to moderate the extent to which they deal with risk. And it reminds me of, I took over an organization years ago um, as a leader of that organization, as the executive lead. Um, and 
I found the organization in a state of difficulty, as it were. And so basically, I was brought mm -hmm. on board to be a crisis manager and to help the organization recoup. And I found that one of the things that were my greatest strength, actually, is the ability to engage with people in the organization so that I understood where everybody's vision was. I was able to bring everybody together collaboratively. And then I was able to also help us to pave a new vision, a new way forward um, as a collective, rather than as I, the, the bosses, I, the control freak, as it were. And this is one of the strengths that we are told by research that women excel in. They excel in this ability to actually have a collective vision um, and help everybody to understand what that vision is. Is that your experience? Because I know you also, um, you know, at IWFSA, as well as in your mentoring capacity, you work with a lot of female leaders. No, I would say absolutely. You know, as you were speaking earlier and you were talking about how in the context of the crisis, countries have, uh, led by women have fared exceptionally well. Um, and, the, and the word that caught my, my attention especially was saying, surprisingly, countries led by women have, have fared exceptionally well. I agree with the last part of the sentence, the first part not so much, because I'm not surprised at all, and nobody should be. Because I think, as you aptly put it, um, women are just really good at creating structure, collaborating with people, motivating people, um, taking on um, more than you would, they would think their shoulders can bear and finding that their shoulders are actually broader. Um, that's what we do. We have a lot of patience. And this crisis that we found ourselves in lately, Namkla, has required a lot, of, a lot of what makes women strong. Our ability to communicate with clarity, um, to, to pull together people into a, a unified um, 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 purpose, and to create structure in, in what it is that we need to solve, whether it's a problem in the home, in the community, or in the broader world. Um, that's why I'm not surprised that countries which are led by women have fared really well. Um, women have a voice, and, and the more we use it, I think a better world we can be. Um, that you are listening to Nam Shamniki, and this is Tuesday Takeover. And so you are used to having your host, but at the moment, what we're doing is we are having a discussion because I am your temporary host for the next few minutes. And the topic we are discussing is the value of female leaders in times of crisis. And of course, I've got Lillian Karuri um, as my guest. But you know what? I want to switch it up a little bit and, and bring in Oputsongezo into this conversation because because um, it would be great to hear a male perspective. And the first question I want to ask you, Hadeve, is what do you hear or what goes through your mind when you are hearing, let's create opportunities for female leaders? Exactly the thing that our caller initially was talking about, Romeo. What goes through your mind? What goes through my mind is exactly what happens in every South African household for the most part, if not for every part. My earliest recollections of child rearing are that of a woman, my mother, my sister, all the basic lessons and values of how to conduct myself in a family setup, how to look after myself, how to present myself. Before my father, there was my mother. And I come from a home where there are three sisters, three females on top of my mother, who at all didn't negotiate certain values that I had to learn and accept as a way of life. So as, as an individual, personally, I've always learned to respect the voice of 
a female, my earliest memories of school. I had Miss Niper, my Sabay teacher, Miss Mala, my pre-primary teacher, Miss Verna, my Sabi teacher. I'm using these terms just perhaps to engage the age question. Wow. And all of that grounding, which was for me in the most formative years of my life, the corresponding person there is a woman. Now, if you proliferate all of that and make it a macro discussion, isn't that what society should be all about? Certain basic values can only come from women. We know that, especially on the continent of Africa, a lot of household incomes, more especially in spaces of unemployment and poverty and related destitution, the ones who are the difference between a meal in a given home or not, oftentimes, if not most of the times, are women. So that's what I think when we engage the question as to how can we make society better. It is to go back to where all of us started. Respect the woman, give the woman her place as a leader, as a nurturer, and everything else that is good for the human being, for the household, for society, and with the necessary resources and state institutions, I'd have absolutely no doubt that the narrative coming out of New Zealand as led by Prime Minister Arden, the narrative coming out of Estonia now, the one country in the world led by a woman president and prime minister, the fact that in 1975, in October, there was a woman's strike. Five years later, in a landslide victory, the first ever woman president was elected in Iceland. Now Iceland is the one country where gender equality is highest. And the common yeah. thread here is simply for us men to take the proverbial knee off the necks of women. They're not wanting special favors, nor they are due special favors. They simply want an equal opportunity, latitude and respect to do what ultimately they've always been doing. Very, very well said. And in fact, as you mentioned, Iceland, Iceland is one of those countries that have fed very well in COVID-19. And in fact, researchers are investigating it right now because the female head of state um, made such important critical decisions right at the start uh, of the, the, the breakout of COVID-19. Now, if you are a caller and you want to engage with us, please think about this question and share with us your views. If you're a female leader, what enabling environment have you needed to have in your workplace in order for your leadership qualities to actually be exercised? And so if you can share with us that on 011-714-2006, or you can leave a voice note at 0614-104-107. What enabling environment have you needed? Now, back to you, Lillian, this is a question I want to ask you as well is that there are environments that are enabling, there are environments that are not enabling. What has been your experience around what is an enabling environment for you that allows for you to excel in the true essence of who you are as a leader? And if you can tell us some stories about what those environments looked like, that would be excellent. Thank you, that's such an interesting question. You know, I'm, when I think back to my own journey, I've, I've you know, over the last shoot, almost 20 years, I've had the incredible opportunity to work for organizations across the world, many of them Fortune 100 firms, um, where I've had um, opportunities that range from working my way up to actually very senior ranks. And what I can say without a shadow of a doubt when I just think about my own journey is 
even when I've been in situations that I thought were not enabling, I think there were lessons in it which were actually enabling. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Mm. What I've now began to acknowledge more in my more mature years now is um, where I've, I've interpreted working with difficult people, um, working in, organ- in environments which are perhaps dysfunctional, um, which, or which maybe the culture of the organization or the culture of the leader or or the, the ethos of the team is not where it could or should be. Those are lessons. Right. Those are valuable lessons to learn. And so I think the mindset that I'm beginning to espouse more is to lean more into what the opportunity of the lesson provides for as opposed to lean away from what may not be well experienced by yourself. Just because something right. doesn't feel good doesn't mean it's not good for you. Um, and. And many times I've learned that those, what might have seemed to be disabling environments actually are lessons that are teaching me to become what it is that I, I am able to do now. Um, we talked about right. my role at the moment. And, you know, what's the most challenging thing about my role is I'm constantly having to get involved in things which I may not necessarily have been trained for or had an experience in before. Um, working with people who range from easy to work with to extremely difficult to work with, um, from situations which are pleasant to others which are not so pleasant. But what I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt is I grew from all of those experiences, the entire spectrum. And that's one of the things that I myself as a, as a woman, and I tell my daughter, and I tell women who I speak to, um, which is a, is, a, is a space that women need to hold a little bit more. That we are charged with right. emotions is a good thing. It's good wiring. But how you use that superpower is very important. Sometimes we get our right. feelings so hurt that we miss, we miss the lesson. So yeah. telling ourselves, don't be so busy missing the lesson and rather lean into what may not, not feel good, but actually is good for us. So an important lesson there. So take advantage of the lesson that you are learning. Um, do not lose the opportunity in the difficult experience that you have. Now, I've got a caller on the line, Jay, who is calling in from Durban. Jay, if you could keep it short, welcome. Let us know what your question is. Uh, not really my question, but there are more comments. Good evening. Thank you very much for this opportunity. What I say right from the word go, a man uh, uh, has to stand by his woman from the time she is conceived, childbirth, and bringing up the children at home. Only by sharing every moment and time in, in partnership can you grow a business and bring out good leadership? And that observation children will notice, you know what, my dad is respecting my mom like this. My dad is doing these things. And I, in future, will have to do that to other women, other females, and have that kind of a respect. Even picking up the clothes from the line and, and packing it and setting things in a neat, orderly manner. And how you go about doing things in and around at home in a disciplined way that's the way you will find your part outside in the world. Otherwise, if everything, if the dad or the man in the house leaves everything to the woman and saying she takes over, she, she's taking a leadership, she takes over control of everything. So with the result, the boy child doesn't realize how to respect the woman outside right. or in his life later on. Thank you very much. And you. Thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you so much. What an important contribution you're making that it starts in the home, it starts in our societies, 
around what gender roles children are watching mom and dad play and what we are teaching our boy children. Now I have K KGM on the line. KGM, which part of the country are you in? And if you could share with us your quick question <laughs> or comment. <laughs> Good evening to you. Again. KGM, your reputation okay. precedes you, hey? <laughs> well, I'm an informed host. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kimo, Kimo Sefatani. I think you must teach songs so where okay. where that is. <laughs> okay, good good evening, ladies, and thank you so much. Good evening, uh, songs. Look, I, I'm going to to be brief and and give you these two challenges. One, mm -hmm. as you mother as in leadership, do not repeat our mistakes. We right. were humiliated. We were glorified beyond glory. And by the time we woke up and smelled the coffee, we being men or males, we had misled not only ourselves, but nations. Women, sure. be careful of repeating the same mistake. The, the second right. and the parting shot. There's no question about leadership if you, you are a naturalist or somebody who believes in nature. Now, women my plea is understand the need not to continue on the bad path that has been created or carved for you lead naturally which means i suggest you create new leadership ways means and processes so that we eradicate and leave the the, the point of departure which has been a continuation of a bad thing that has been inculcated by the systems of men. Thanks for taking my call. Powerful, powerful points. Thank you so much, KGM. And um, it's so unfortunate that we are quickly running out of time. And I'm going to have to do a quick roll up, as it were, uh, a wrap up, sorry, as it were. But I do want to give Lillian one minute to just summarize very briefly. What would you say are maybe the two, your top two uh, pieces of advice around how you build collaboration with men as a woman in leadership? Ooh. Uh, how I build collaboration, I'm speaking for myself again, I think be exceptionally good at what it is that I do. There's never a question about whether I'm good because I'm a woman, I'm just good. Full stop. Um, and have have something that you contribute. I I am very judicious about whether I'm in a conversation, a meeting, uh, a project. Be clear what value you're delivering in your own mind and to everybody else around the table. And that and value means that people resonate to what it is that you're doing, and they, they can attach to how that also adds value to them. How you're making things better for the collective. Um, that I think is extremely important. And and then I think never never um, never shy away from my humanity. I am a female, as, I'm a female as well, and everything that comes with that, I think is a, a beautiful thing in this world, and I want to offer that in the context of any community um, that I'm in. And, and I think when, when we're part of the community, um, we must be who we are, all of who we are. Excellent. That was my amazing, powerful guest, Lillian Karuri, who was joining us from APSA. I do have to thank you so much for joining in for this conversation. And now I am handing over to Greg for the news and we'll wrap it up when we come back.